The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. And until further notice, this station will continue its around-the-clock coverage of this national disaster. And now, we switch you to the state capitol, where His Excellency, the Governor, is speaking from the Executive Mansion. Further, I have, in conjunction with the federal government, declared this state to be a disaster area. The public health is dependent on bodies of the deceased being burned. You must notify the health department immediately. If you have a plague victim in your home, under no circumstances should you gather publicly. If you are the dire emergency that exists, I intend to... Anything new? Huh? No, nothing new. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, September 3rd, 2020. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Here we are in September, and according to the mainstream media and politicians, nothing's new since the beginning of the COVID lockdowns and arbitrary behavior controls that began way back in mid-March. Because for them, nothing is new. For them, it never was about a virus. For them, a second wave of planned government controls violating individual freedom was always in the cards and still is. Only for the people who were taken in by the COVID-19 viral scare has everything changed, because now more and more of them are becoming aware that they've been fooled, and those who aren't aware are still being fooled, whether by influences they are not conscious of, or whether by mere self-delusion. And by influences in this context, I of course mean primarily the mainstream media. When the mainstream media continually fails to bring us the news and information that is real and relevant, it's up to the rest of the private online bloggers, YouTubers, and podcasters to take over that responsibility, and that's exactly what's been happening in a big way. And that's exactly the responsibility that we will be exercising right after our reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org, hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave, follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform, and visit us at www.justrightmedia.org, where you can access all of Just Right's social media links and our archive broadcasts. Always consider offering your financial support to our efforts, Everyone who donates $25 or more will receive a copy of the 52-page full-color publication, Climate Essentials. So I got up early this past Saturday and spent the better part of the morning online, grabbing brief and not-so-brief glimpses of the various live protests against the COVID-19 restrictions that were already well underway in Berlin, Germany, and in London, England, where, of course, the two cities are five to six hours ahead of my time zone here in Ontario. Similar protests were held Saturday in Ottawa, and I'll be sharing some highlights from those events with you a bit later on. And just for the record, protests over the lockdowns were also held on Saturday in places like Auckland, New Zealand, and in the country of Chile. The protests are becoming larger and more frequent. 
We covered the August 1st Berlin protest on the show two weeks ago and other earlier protests in Toronto and Vancouver, Canada. Now, if you are or were not aware of these protests, ask yourself why, especially if you're a consumer of mainstream media newspapers, TV, or radio sources. I haven't got any final number guesses for how many attended these rallies, and reported figures vary widely depending upon the source. But any of the pictures and videos taken at any of the protests I saw, whether in Berlin, London, or Ottawa, tell a story that the mainstream media definitely does not want you to know about. And for those of you who are aware of these protests, did you notice the lack of violence and the lack of property damage and lack of fires and assaults at these worldwide protests against COVID-19 shutdowns and forced mask wearing? You know, these were protests, not riots. Despite the numbers of protesters ranging from several thousand to tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands and even over a million, where are all the fires and property damage? Where are all the innocent citizens being beaten? And where are the businesses being ruined and ransacked? That's what we would have seen had these protests been organized by Black Lives Matter or by Antifa. They would have become riots at the first and slightest provocation of leftist sensitivities, and the media would have been right there alongside them in a supporting role. So it's largely the mainstream media that is the true enemy in our midst. And this is no small problem for citizens who want to live in a free nation. As U.S. President Donald Trump has so astutely observed in the past, if we had an honest and truth-oriented media, we wouldn't be faced with any of the fake crises now commanding our attention. From COVID-19 lockdowns to racism riots to fascist and global warming narratives, all being falsely spun, towards a single objective, the total subjugation of the population into a forced collective in which individualism is strictly forbidden. This is what the forced wearing of masks is all about, and the fascists and communists who are behind the mask mandates have made no secret of this fact. I have quoted them directly in this regard many times on past recent broadcasts of this show. Yet ignorance persists. And ignorance breeds fear, and fear in turn breeds tyranny. History is a great demonstrator of this principle. It's a political formula that works every bit as reliably as Einstein's E equals mc squared. So it shouldn't be surprising that those of us who understand this formula, either in theory or because of having actually experienced and lived through collectivism, are now finding themselves rightly alarmed because of what they see transpiring around them. After six months of an immoral, unconscionable, and irrational lockdown, which includes all of the irrational rules and forced distancing and mask mandates, people are beginning to question if they're the only ones who see the sheer madness of it all. We are indeed in the midst of what Willem Reich described as Germany's emotional plague as that country headed into the Second World War, a plague that manifested itself in Germany through the politics of fascism. So it's quite significant that Berlin today should become the site of one of the world's largest rejections of the same kind of emotional plague that swept the country during the last century. And if there's one thing that all of these public protests and speeches demonstrate, it's that people who can see through all of the BS are definitely not alone, despite every government effort to make it seem otherwise. Last week, our guest, Professor Christopher Essex, referred to a social phenomenon he called quote-unquote, pluralistic ignorance. 
in which people are unaware of how many others around them feel exactly like they do, because, of course, they're all isolated from each other. And as if to illustrate that very principle, the people speaking out at the various anti-COVID lockdown protests got a chance to rediscover that they were not alone, as did those of us who watched the event from our homes. Not on mainstream media, of course. Our upcoming audio bites were captured from the YouTube channel of Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson on Saturday during the initial live streams of the Canadian protest rally in Ottawa. And at the same time, she was networked with another YouTuber, Mark Friesen in Saskatchewan, while other people provided the raw video feeds from Ottawa itself. So there's a bit of crosstalk going on during some of the presentations we'll be sharing with you, some of it originating with Laura Lynn and Mark as they watch the events live, and some of it originating at the source of the protest themselves, including people in the crowd and others filming the event. But I think it's important to hear the voices that rarely get heard, and who rarely get to hear each other since they've all been kept separated. That's another reason to support these protests, as a bit of reassurance that you too are not alone, even if still outnumbered. And when I return on the other side of this bumper break, I'll be joined once again by Dr. Christopher Essex in a postscript to our conversation last week about the dangers of deferring to experts to solve problems. So let's begin with some of the voices that were heard at Saturday's Ottawa protest, bearing in mind that schools are about to reopen here in Ontario in about two weeks, and that the plans our educators have for our school kids are nothing short of child abuse, in my humble opinion. And apparently some of the kids feel that way too. Hello, Ottawa. Uh, I'm really excited to be here. I was here on July 1st. And now I see it growing in numbers. My name's Zoe. I'm 13 years old. I'm also going into grade 9 next year. Um, I traveled here from Toronto with my parents. Uh, from the Queen's Park. We're all from Queen's Park. All these oh, 6,000 people in Ottawa today, you guys. Um, as an only child, I've always been a little bit lonely, but since the beginning of this pandemic, I've all been more and more by myself. A lot of my friends, sorry, scandemic, yeah, forgot. Um, I can't FaceTime, that's just, I don't do that. I need face-to-face connection. Yeah. Yeah. Right we do, we're losing our connection and everyone thinks it's okay. So oh, all done by design. Yep. And I'm really glad that um, I went to Queen's Park in the first protest and made a, quite a few friends there. We've helped each other a lot, and, well, it, when we're there, it feels a little bit more normal than when you're outside, walking around, and seeing everyone wearing masks. Uh, a few days ago, I was uh, walking down the street with my mom doing an initiative, like handing out hugs over mask cards and stuff, and so little people take those cards. They're convinced that they like wearing the mask. They're convincing themselves that they think that the mask is doing something, something yes, and that they even like wearing it. Like, even some of my friends, uh, I met them, I think at school or something, and they had chocolate on their masks because they were, like, putting them under their chin and eating something. Then they put them back up and I asked them, why are you wearing it? They're dirty. And they said, Oh, it's better than get it, getting COVID. 
Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <clears throat> That's when you know the indoctrination is. Oh, yeah. I don't That's even know why people That's are what it is. It's that. full indoctrination now. I mean, we've been yeah. at Where's CTV? Where's Global? Where's CBC? Covering the real people so, in Canada. Um, you know, for the longest time, you know, until um, just a few weeks ago, I felt alone because I was the, I felt like I was the only person who really was anti-mask. Pe the people beside me today may help, have opened my eyes to see that there are people who also acknowledge the fact that the masks are wrong. There you go. They got us all divided. Nobody can speak. Did you know the mask isn't even good for your health? In fact, it causes a bacteria buildup in your mouth, which can cause an infection. So not only are these masks unhelpful, they muzzle you. We are not supposed to be muzzled. We are not wild animals. I'm I don't comprehend why kids of my generation are being told to reach for the stars, but not too high, right? <laughs> or being told, be all that you can be, but don't make waves and certainly don't attract attention to yourself. <laughs> we are told that we are rock stars for blending in. Oh, yeah. That's what school in September will feel like. I've always been a child to stand out in groups and to shine. Even my teachers and family tells me this. I'm not sure why. Maybe it's because I'm the middle child of nine siblings and I had to fight for attention. I was taught at a young age to have my own sense of individuality and to defend my rights. That's what we need to teach your kids. That's right, Carl. Which is why it's mind-boggling to me that That's there's still people that come and listen to speeches but don't carry the message into their daily lives. I wonder why some adults don't even realize that they're being played by the government and the society. What is it with people and wearing masks in 30-degree weather? I don't know. And they call us crazy? <laughs> But let me return to the subjects of masks in school. I can make a fair assumption that young children will feel anxiety for not seeing their, their teachers' facial expressions or smiles throughout the day. Right on. Imagine right now if I had a mask on talking to you. Hard to read. Yeah. <laughs> we cannot be teaching children that this is normal. Masks will kill all individuality and stop personality from shining through. Right on. Don't you think there's something horrible about your kids suffocating for six plus hours a day? Right on. Shouldn't yeah. that trouble every single adult that has children on this planet? Yeah. You are responsible. You sure should. You are teaching your children that wanting freedom is a selfish thing. Exactly. You are teaching your children that obeying authorities blindly is the right thing to do. Oh, so well said. What if on the first day of school your teacher told you to eat your lunch in the garbage can? Would you obey? Of course not. It doesn't make sense. That's right. Even, it's even the next generation. Kids, what if your teacher told you? 
force you to wear a mask even though you couldn't breathe. Would that make sense? No. Think about it. Do not obey things that don't make sense. That makes perfect it's crazy. Sense. That makes sense right there. All I'm saying is we have to teach our kids right from wrong. We need to be taught by an example. We need to be taught to explore our freedom. We have to be brave and we have to unite. I thought that it was a really powerful message to bring my two sibling, three siblings and two other children up here because it shows you that us kids who speak, we don't stand alone. You matter, you matter, every kid on this stage, every kid in the crowd, everybody, all you children, we all matter. We all deserve freedom. We are not numbers. Don't muzzle us. His name is Michael Jackson. Now it's not what you think. He's a teacher. Everybody, a warm welcome for Mike J. Well, I'm here today for the same reason all of you are. I heard the call. That voice in my head with that pounding in my heart screaming out, this is wrong. We all feel it. I'm a teacher. I don't know if I have a job in September. But you know what? I became a teacher to educate, not indoctrinate. Yes, sir. I became a teacher to teach how to think, not what to think. Look at us today. What I see now is I see a whole army of my fellow Canadians here, united in defiance against tyranny. A tyranny like which the world has never seen before. This is a plague on humanity. This tyranny is trying to subjugate every single man, woman, and child on the face of this planet, no, 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 Hell no, 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 no. Right now, there's a tidal wave of global revolt that is rising around the world, and eventually, it's gonna flood the gates. The whole world is gonna rise against this evil, and it is evil. It is evil. There is no way that you can have a plot for decades to take away the rights of everyone and you be a human? There's no heart in a being like that. Some lines were never meant to be crossed. And you came for our elderly first. And now you're coming for our kids? How do you break people from standing up? You destroy what's keeping them fighting.
you destroy their reason for fighting. They take away our parents, and now they want to go for our kids. But that is not going to happen. And for all those people, not just teachers, now I'm speaking to the police, to all the people who have their jobs, who think they're still going to have their jobs when this is all done. This is how they divide us. They kept some people working on paid leave. They're not going to rise up. It was a strategy. This is totalitarianism. The jobs we think we have are going to be gone. And all those of you at home who know there's something terribly wrong, but you're not doing anything, you pass it off to someone else. I tell you, one day you're going to crawl into your deathbed many years from now, and you're going to look back and wish you came and took that one chance, that one chance to save your country. And I'm telling you, all of us and these people who are not fighting, I'm not angry with you. I understand you're scared, but you must rise. Oh, sometimes just your expression, just silence says it all. I'm so angry, I'm actually calm. I will not put my kid in school. I'm a teacher. The teachers will rise, but they got to know that we are behind them. And for all those who believe in COVID-19, because there's nothing to it, all it is, it's the, it's the only pandemic that ever existed on paper. I could talk about the science, but we all know it's fake. We all know it. And they want to put hugs on our kids. Liberté. Liberté. Today. Liberté. Today. Well, I heard the thing about the data that yeah. reacted. I thought so. Yeah. They, 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 you know, they a lot of the social science people think that you need data, but you have to figure out what data to collect. Right. So you need a theory in order to do that. Right. So you need this kind of structure to sure. impose on the world in order to collect the data. And it, without, if somebody has a different structure in their minds, then then they, you end up with different collections <laughs> of data. Right. right. And the other ways to, to decrease the um, uh, death rate by definition uh, of COVID. It's really simple. In Europe, anyone who's um, of any kind of age, who's this, you know, elderly, who dies, the, um, the usual position of doctors is to write down cause of death, old age. Right. So if you adopt, say, the Danish way of defining death certificates, then essentially half the population is going to be uh, removed from the list of deaths right. of COVID because it's all old age and right. not COVID. So it's like because that that's the correct de definition. You know, so, so you see how powerful definitions are. Oh, absolutely. One of the things I had was this conversation with a friend of mine, and I pointed out to her that... that um, two people die every second. That's kind of the normal human death rate on the planet. Mm. So, and all you need to do is come up with a definition that will that will take a certain fraction of those and 
and uh, and suddenly now you have a, a, a major emergency. Well, you know that's been that's been the huge problem with politics since I got into it. I mean, even words like socialism and capitalism. If you're talking to two different peoples who have two different definitions of each of those words, they're on the Tower of Babel. They cannot communicate with each other. Yeah, that's right. right. The one person thinks capitalism is oppression and, and all the yeah, Marxist yeah, nonsense. Yeah. The other guy thinks capitalism is freedom. And, you know, and they will never meet. So I always used to deal with that by saying, okay, so give me your, what word would you use to describe this concept? So at least we could have a conversation. And uh, if you got reluctance on that point, then you know the person's not interested in the conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and usually they're not. Usually they're not. Usually it's ideological, and uh, you know that it, it gets very exhausting. Well, I mean, one of the things uh, I, I find whenever I deal with uh, people talking about politics, and they start talking about left and right, and this is a kind of thing that is not properly defined it doesn't make any sense at all i did a whole show on it you're yeah. at, I, I dealt you know i i dealt with that problem for 30 years yeah. and i tried to avoid it until i finally came up with the right solution which is a proper definition and that's an epistemological journey let me tell you i see when we started with freedom party we didn't want to be defined left or right so we call oh. originally the party was called unparty neither left nor right but up okay in the end there is no political spectrum there are only two polarities and we define them as left and right they could have been called north and south or up and down whatever we label but they have specific meanings and they're consistent and as long as you treat them consistently everything makes sense well and then nobody understands you that's the problem oh they do if they if if you give them the definitions before you talk right but people don't accept the idea of definitions as being important they, 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 they it's it's amazing to me but that's that's the case so you you say this is my definition and they're just <laughs> so it's uh, i mean for, from my point of view i don't really see and never did see the difference between nazis and communists as far there as is no difference they're both on the left they're both on the left, and right. that's the, the, the Dinesh D'Souza position. And I think and Salim Mansour and mine, and, yes. and, and we all came up with it independently. Yes. You know? And uh, then I find out from Dinesh D'Souza and Salim that apparently they moved fascism to the right as a political move. The, the, the Democrats did that after World War II. Yeah, so it's, um, it's really then a difference between national versus international. It's like this so socialist yeah. extremist uh, world has got this dispute over national versus international, which doesn't really pertain to anybody who just doesn't like totalitarianism. But, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no. And, and, and the point is that, that, that the idea of the kind of patrician scientist who is the authority for, who makes pronouncements about what's true, uh, is the cutting edge or beginning of, of authoritarianism. I mean, that's, that's exactly what it is. is the, you, this person tells and other people listen. And, that's, and people are kind of open to that. They like the idea of being told on some technical subject. I'd like to hear from the great sage what the truth is. And not, no effort to think about it themselves. It's just this is the received truth from the great sage. So people have a kind of natural tendency to there's also there's also a building of faith in certain people that who you've trust learned to trust because they have they have proven to be correct in the past you know frequently enough 
that you would put your quote-unquote faith in them, right, without thinking it through until you run into a, a contradiction of some sort that has to be resolved. But, um, you know, I learn over time online, deciding who's, who I accept as sources of news and stuff. Well, after a while, you, you learn that certain people are very reliable. They might not always be right, but they're approaching the problem honestly. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? They're not... They're, they're looking for the truth. They're trying to get at the answer, and they're willing to listen mm-hmm. to various sides. And, and there are a lot of people like that out there, thankfully. Mm-hmm. But none, none of them are in mainstream media. <laughs> yeah, but a lot of, a lot of people also, uh, just regular working-class people, have a lot of wisdom and a lot I of agree. common sense. And if you... But you ha- in order to bring that side of them out, you have to give them a chance. And the way the environment we're in gives them no chance whatsoever because, the, the first of all, they're afraid to use that side of themselves. And secondly, they don't aren't provided with any of the information that they need in order to do the reasoning right. that they need. And once they actually have a chance to do that, they discover, you know, these experts are kind of a bunch of idiots. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I think that's one of the things that I've discovered over the years is that people with PhDs to say really dumb things. I mean, it's... it's uh, I've discovered that it's myself. It's quite, you know. a, quite a common thing. And and it's an object lesson for not only on how I think of other experts, but it's a cautionary tale on how what I have to say about things. I have to be careful that I'm not the idiot today and not saying the stupid thing because all human beings are inherently fallible. And, and I think that's an important, and if, you, if there's one takeaway on what science really is, is to realize that if you want to speak the language of nature, you have to accept your fallibility. And you have to kind of try and error, try trial and error over and over and, you know, tweak things and try to understand better and then not believe your own propaganda. And so See, forth. one of the advantages I have doing this show that, say, the immediate media that's dealing with day-to-day events doesn't have because they're dealing with immediate happenings. I can sit back for a while and assess a situation after it's gone by and for a week or two. All people should be doing that. Yeah. In, in, in a healthy democracy, regular Don't jump to conclusions right away. And even if you don't understand it personally, there's going to be somebody in your family who sits around your kitchen table who probably does. Mm-hmm. And then you can talk to them about it, you know, and they say, well, yeah, they don't really mean this, they mean that. And so you can actually get a pretty good idea just on those grounds alone. Uh, so you can make a lot of progress. And if you don't feel that you're capable of doing that, then don't participate in the political debates about it. Just right. withdraw from it. Yeah. Sit it out. Don't first don't. do no harm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, well, and and of course they, they, you know, that's one of the points I make in that uh, caveman thing is they have that upside down on climate. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, don't you know do no uh, do do no inaction. Right. You know? I mean, that's, exactly. That's which is kind of the opposite. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and each and every one of you are amazing. I want to speak for a quick the importance of words. Because it's the words that we use that define the laws that keep the peace amongst such a vast array of different individual people. Pay attention to the words that are being shown to you through the media and your politicians. Make sure you understand the definition of all the words that they use 
because they lie to you about what they mean. This entire movement is not a woe is me protest. It is an information campaign and it is the obligation of every single person here to spread the information, the correct information, because we have the most amazing and intelligent population. He is the leader of a group called Mothers Against Distancing. His name is Chris Skye. Everybody, big warm welcome for Chris Skye. They use their media, their so-called experts, and their elected officials to infect everybody with as much ignorance and lies to perpetuate as much fear as possible. Why? Because for tyranny to reign, you have to be ignorant. As soon as people know the truth, they will value freedom. Why are we all here today? Why is every one of us here today? Because we understand freedom is essential, is the bedrock of society. So we have to say no to mandatory masks. We have to say no to mandatory contact tracing. We have to say no to mandatory vaccines. And we have to say no to their new normal. You cannot prevent the new normal by complying with it. The only way is to not comply. So the government tries to divide us into smaller and smaller groups. So our voices are smaller and cannot be as effective. How did they divide us? They started with the people who are scared of the virus versus the people who know better. Then they divided us between the people working and the people not, the essentials and the non-essentials, the people collecting CERB and the ones that do not qualify. Then they tried to divide us with race, like you see in the United States. Now they're trying to turn us against our fellow police officers, members of the community, our last line of defense against tyranny. And what do we hear? Calls to defund the police. Are you kidding me? What does our government fear more than anything? They fear us all coming together. They fear united non-compliance. And that's what we have to show them. Not just here, all around the world. People are waking up. Hundreds of thousands, millions are hitting the streets. Why? Because they know they're being lied to. And guess what? Once you're given the truth, you are awake. And when you are awake, it's impossible to go back to sleep. Yes. And once you are awake, all that fear, all those lies, they just turn to anger. And you get mad. Why do we want you to get mad? When you get mad, you cannot be manipulated or controlled with fear. When you get mad, you will act in your best interest. Our children, we had them come up here before. You heard them speak. They are literally the light of life for every country in the world. The children are our future. We must protect them. And that's what MAD is all about. It's an international grassroots awareness campaign to inform mothers and fathers about the psychological trauma that will be imposed on their children in these academic situations or in the private and public care facilities. We also let them know how the economic consequences of COVID caused that 
cause the type of situation that leads to more human trafficking, which is poverty and family problems, and it hits the poor communities worse. They want you to sacrifice your children into these public schools that are now trauma centers. But we have a way to fight back. I launched a new system for school. We're calling private on-demand education. And we are opening chapters all over Ontario and then all over Canada. We finally got the idea approved just yesterday by the school board. So if anybody is interested in saving your children from that trauma, email private school at protonmail.com. Private school at protonmail.com. MAD, the nonprofit, in conjunction with private on demand education, is creating an entirely new school system. No mandatory masks, no mandatory vaccines, no social distancing. Your kids can be kids again. We need to take the power back from the government. They do not rule us, they serve us, and they need to remember that. We need this to go global. We need to spread the awareness. We've had a medical breakthrough in 2020. In our quest to achieve stellar health, we've learned from our most trusted health authorities that there's only four things you need to do to have robust health and a strong immune system. Wear a mask, socially distance, hand sanitize, and stay inside. That's it. Dude, what have you been doing? Mask wearing and social distancing. Really been looking after my health. Because our trusted health authorities have not mentioned even once the health benefits of good nutrition, exercise, and sleep, we can rest assured that these immune-boosting health habits are now outdated. They're like trans fats. But luckily, our unhealthy-looking health authorities are omitting these outdated harmful health habits because they care. And they're routinely coaching us on the only four things we need to do. Let's learn more. Wearing a mask. You can peel yourself off the couch after being a sedentary waste of space for 30 years, put on a mask, and now you're a pillar of health with all that effort you're putting in. Wearing a mask is a much better health alternative than going to the gym where you could catch things like COVID, obesity, and type 2 diabetes. But you don't have to take my word for it. I've replaced all my previous health practices with wearing a mask. Just 60 minutes a day, five days a week, and now I'm healthier than I've ever been. That's dedication. Before I got into mask wearing, I was morbidly obese. But now, just after four months, I'm in elite health. You inspire me. And you don't work hard on your health and fitness at all? Absolutely not. I just wear a mask. Yes, you do. Hand sanitizing. Ugh. Babe, can you throw all this health food away? We need to replace it with hand sanitizer. Really? Yeah, there's no health properties in health food anymore. Instead, we'll be putting our health efforts into hand sanitizing. Can't we do both? Nope, they haven't told us to do both. <laughs> Doesn't that just say it all? You are listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Said one of the speakers in our previous audio bite, quote, It's the words that we use that define the laws that keep the peace among such a vast array of different individual people. Pay attention to the words that are being shown to you through the media and the politicians, end quote. 
Those are the kinds of ideas that were being expressed at the Canadian protest in Ottawa. And I did pay particular attention to the words with which they were being expressed. The fact that anyone even acknowledges the importance of epistemology, as did Christopher Essex in our last segment, or even talks about definitions and words, is a very good sign that the people aware of these considerations know what they're talking about. And at the very least, they're pointed in the right direction. Notice that the speaker referred to words that define the laws which keep the peace among vastly, quote, different individual people, end quote, not laws that keep the peace among vastly different collective groups or laws based on any concepts tied to identity politics. And she also acknowledged, as did Chris, that regular folks have all the common sense necessary to figure out the truth for themselves. It's all a game of epistemology, concept formation, and definitions. If you want to control other people, that's how you do it. Works better and more effectively than the use of outright force and violence. Words are far more than a means of verbal or written communication. They are the coded values to which we attach concepts, and concepts are the means by which we think and process information. Concepts are, to the human mind, what numbers are to a calculator. If the number 2 represented a value of 4 to one calculator, while the number 4 represented a value of 1 to another, they would both be pretty useless calculators, and any calculations they computed would not be compatible with anything objective. The mind works the same way, as in the example discussed with Chris. If one person thinks the word apple means rain, while another person thinks that apple means what we know to be an apple, those two people will nevertheless be unable to communicate or share information until they agree to some common definitions that correspond to reality. Some of the critical definitions that are constantly being misused and misrepresented or simply ignored in the mainstream media with respect to the COVID campaign are among the following. SARS-CoV-2 virus. Now that term, this is the actual name of the original virus, which by now has mostly died out or has already mutated into a different, weaker virus. In any case, it has never been properly isolated, which is an astonishing thing to realize, which is why most of the testing done to trace the virus is completely unreliable and unnecessary. Then there's COVID-19. COVID-19 is the term given to the potential disease caused by the COVID-2 virus. And as a flu-like disease can be very mild to quite severe. But it very rarely kills unless there are other comorbidities involved. And quite literally, COVID-19 stands for Coronavirus Disease 2019. It is not the virus. And most people who have the virus will not get COVID-19. Pandemic. This word does not refer to the seriousness of a disease, only to its widespread presence. And then this is the most abused term of the bunch, and that's the word cases. Every day the media reports new case numbers, and a case represents a test result showing that a person has tested positive for the virus. Not that the person has COVID-19, not that he's sick, not that he's in the hospital. And again, these tests are being demonstrated to be so flawed as to be worse than useless. They do more harm than good. Then there's the word deaths. Now you'd think this word would be an easy one to define, right? 
But no, not when it comes to death in a COVID-19 era. Did a person die from or with the coronavirus? And by their own admission, officials have already confirmed that the death statistics are fraudulent. They include both. Even if the death was caused by something completely different than the virus. And then there's the word masks. Yes, most people don't even know what a mask is relative to a virus. How often have we heard that a cloth mask to a virus is like a chain link fence to a mosquito? And it's essentially true, yet it doesn't stop people from believing that the mask has some minimal utility in preventing the virus. And few ever consider the additional risks involved in wearing a mask. Risks to health that can far outweigh the risks of a virus that is unlikely to kill anyone and which can be prevented by the use of drugs like hydroxychloroquine, which is a whole other issue I can't even stand. It just drives me up a tree. And while we're on the subject of masks, here's former U.S. Republican representative for two congressional districts in Texas and well-known libertarian presidential candidate Ron Paul on that very topic in conversation with Matt Kibbe of Blaze TV. What makes Ron Paul qualified to speak on the subject of masks? Well, he's also a physician and someone who has worn medical masks while performing surgery. Do you think that um, masks work? Masks? Yeah. Well, you're, you're I, can't a say, I can't say no, never. Yeah. I think what they're doing now is useless yeah. and dangerous. I think there's good studies to show that if you're measuring, uh, if you put a mask on and start measuring the oxygen content of uh, what's in your mouth and the CO2, CO2 comes up, goes up, oxygen goes down. And today we reported on the program of mask people make them sick. The the dentists are inundated now with people coming in because gums are getting worse and they have uh, uh, mouth odors and they're looking for what's going on here. I I think it's a disease part of the mask. But I don't think for a minute, I believe that the Swedes had it right, uh, the Danish have it right, and some of those European countries have it. I think South Dakota has it right, and uh, they're accepting a more natural way, you know, natural immunity and uh, herd immunity. It's, it's real, and they, once they try to string this out and flatten the curve, they don't change anything. Uh, so, but it's, it is, most people say, oh, you don't think people are sick. No, I think they're very sick. That's why we ought to have better medical care for them. Yeah. You know, oh yeah, well, we put them on respirators as soon as we can. Yeah, it turns out respirators weren't the best thing to do it. Well, yeah, well, uh, we have sick people here. What do we, well, we'll force them into a nursing home where everybody dies. I mean, it's all government mismanaged. I've talked a lot about this since this came up because we know about separation of church and state. And of course, we had good libertarians said we have, should have separation of church and school. And I think we should have separation of, uh, of uh, medicine and the state. They shouldn't be in the practice of medicine. This whole thing that they can make these dictations and tell them people what to do. Yeah. I've worn a lot of masks, you know, temporarily when I'm doing surgery and all. But this whole idea of making kids wear those masks, and it's really. And today we cited an example of uh, one, uh, I think it was, she was in Tennessee, like, a, like a, a board member of a city. And she said, Anybody that wears a mask should be charged with murder. 
does or doesn't? No, no. If they don't, they, yeah, if they, they don't if wear, they don't wear it, uh, they're they're potential murderers, and they should be arrested for that. That and that's why, that's why there's a lot of violence breaking out now. You mix that up with a person, you know, that's into it for because of Black Lives Matter and Marxism. Boy, this is great stuff for them. But that's uh, that's all completely wrong. You know, I think that uh, a libertarian approach to this would be quite a bit different, but. You know, some people would use a mask. I, I had a, da a daughter not too long ago who was very ill, intensive care and all, and uh, she didn't have a good immune system. I wore a mask. I mean, it isn't the wearing of the mask. It's the universal force of yeah. doing things by people who don't know what they're doing. And uh, first, do no harm. But they're, they're, what they're doing is first thing we do is do more harm so we have more things to do. Yeah. So, but no, I, it's... Uh, it's very, very bad. Uh, I think that uh, fortunately it looks like it's by gone, but they've already warned us. There'll be a new virus next year. What if they threw a peace party in the Middle East and nobody came? Or, and Bill, that's the story coming from our friend Helen Raleigh at TheFederalist.com. And by friend, I mean somebody I don't know who I read at TheFederalist.com. Uh, she's saying basically that the major American corporate-owned media have largely ignored this week's announcement of a deal between Israel and the United Arab Emirates that was brokered by President Trump and his son-in-law, Jared Kushner. I think Helen has a point here. Uh, there has been very little coverage, and I exhaustively read all the major news sources that you'd be familiar with, and yet there's not a big focus on what is uh, called, by the way, the Abraham Accord. Uh, what do you make of this? You know, I actually spend a lot of energy on, on this. I really do. I spend a lot of energy uh, doing everything I can to prevent myself from from going where I am constantly drawn. But with that said, I hate these people. I hate them. I Which hate them people? With every, we, I mentioned the a press, lot of people there. The press. I hate them with every single atom of my body. They, I, I just hate them. They, they are... They are responsible for all of this. There would be no problems in this room, no federal debt. Obama wouldn't have been elected, nothing. Hillary Clinton would be in jail if there was anything like a free press. And for these people to continually tell me that they are on some moral plane above me, that, and intellectual too, meaning they're going to tell me when it's safe for me to go outside, and they're going to tell me when, it's, when I can try to recover the restaurant that got closed because of their hysteria. They're going to cover stories that don't exist. They're going to hype stories that have essentially zero interest, like the Russia collusion thing. And any good news that comes from Orange Man will simply be, be suppressed, won't even be covered. It'll be just chucked down the memory hole. These people are not only evil, they are, they are unspeakably arrogant and stupid. And I try to keep myself out of this, but I can't do it. Every single time a story like this comes along, I just get a little bit closer to being able to say it is, there is no explanation possible other than the fact that these people are pure evil driven by arrogance and ignorance and and greed 
and, and, and mostly out of narcissism, this unbearable narcissism that these news media people have that make them think that they are better arbiters of what the American people should know than the American people themselves. And I swear to God, I really do. They are going to have a reckoning coming to them. It is going to be, it is going to be the salvation or the destruction of this country on whether or not the mainstream media, as we understand it now, is destroyed, yes or no. And it is happening in front of their eyes, which is why they're getting more toxic, by the way. It's not like this has to happen. It's happening every single day. And and I am beyond, I am beyond enraged about this. I am absolutely apoplectic when when they it's it's bad enough when they invent stories and they and they exaggerate stories but when you have a story of of national significance worldwide significance that is that is brokered by somebody they don't like and so it didn't happen it didn't exist you may remember this with the economy before COVID-19. You may remember the economy was booming. Blacks had never been doing better in this country. Women either, Hispanics either. Nah, not even, not even worth a, not even worth a story. We come off of eight years of the recovery summer that never came. And every one of those is lauding this guy. It is, it is, it, this is the problem. There are no other problems. If there was an accurate, aggressive news, uh, force in this country, a free press that was going after Republicans and Democrats equally hard, then we would be having none of these problems. But because of this, we are now in a life and death struggle, not only for the Republic, for God's sake, that's trivial. The American Republic is trivial compared to what's really at stake. And what's at stake is the idea of external truth. And that is under attack by these people who claim to be people, uh, they claim to be journalists and newsmen, and they, and, they, and they wonder, they're utterly mystified. Well, people start booing them when they show up at, at locations. They're utterly astonished that people might call what they're doing fake news. How could you possibly say that? We work for CNN, we work for the New York Times. You're the lowest bunch of people in the country. You don't deserve to live here. And I really genuinely wish you would go and live in one of these hell holes that you constantly, constantly constantly tell us are so much better than this awful, awful country that you drive around in in limousines and whose skyscrapers you live in and whose and whose 200 dinners uh, dollar dinners you partake of every single evening. You can all go straight to hell as far as I'm concerned, you miserable lowlife swine. And by the way, it's going to come to an end and it's going to come to an end with their failure because the truth is out there and there's nothing that they can do about it. Nothing. There's nothing that they can do about it. They can win short term gains. They can destroy the country. But the truth is the truth and the truth is out there. And, and if you are an ally of the truth, you have allied yourself with the most powerful force on this physical earth. And sooner or later, you will succeed over these purveyors of not just, not just a mission and invention. They are the purveyors of anti-truth. What they sell is anti-truth. They sell the antithesis to truth. If you combine what they sell with truth, you get a gigantic explosion. So tell us, Bill, what do you really think about the mainstream media? <laughs> wow. Well, you're not alone. The mainstream media has earned the contempt and disgust of all of us. Got this concept from listener Kathy, who said COVID should stand for Communist Organized Virus Infection Deployment. And I thought, what a great way to describe the viral fake news propaganda machine deployed via the mainstream media. 
as I speak here, thousands of mainstream media outlets, print, audio, and visual, are spewing a constant barrage of fake news hysteria about what they're calling COVID-19, but which at worst is a SARS-CoV-2 virus, harmless to its host and to anyone around that host. Ontario's Doug Ford has already vowed to shut down all of Ontario's schools the minute more cases, quote-unquote, are on the rise. Again, a case being a meaningless and useless statistic. This is from the National Post, August 28th, by Sharon Kirkey, and the headline reads, get ready for this, is double viral whammy on way? Twindemic. <laughs> That's the byline. And I quote, What happens when COVID and flu collide? Some have called the prospect of dueling epidemics a Dickensian disaster. Others are taking some comfort in the Southern Hemisphere's freakishly mild flu season. They're testing really aggressively in Australia, and they're just not finding cases, says Dr. David Buckeridge, a professor in McGill University School of Population and Global Health. The Southern Hemisphere's experience is, in some ways, a good reflection that all of the good public health measures that people are continuing to practice, the hand-washing, the physical distancing as much as possible, the use of non-medical masks, and so on, that help prevent or limit the transmission of COVID-19, would also work equally well for other respiratory infections, including influenza, Dr. Howard New. Canada's Deputy Chief Public Health Officer said this week, end quote. Wow, do you see what's coming? And the rest of the article is just the usual fake news, speculative terrorism that has been the mainstay of mainstream media throughout this entire crisis. And you know, all of this continually feeds in to the precautionary principle. That's been the problem since day one. And they say that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. But no one ever entertains the natural extension of that premise. For example, that 100 tons of prevention is a pretty heavy burden to place on a society when an ounce of cure would have done the job. The 100 tons of prevention, useless as it is to boot, is of course everything that has been done so far while the ounce of cure in this context would be something like hydroxychloroquine or all of the other treatments already known to be effective against most coronaviruses. So if all of this propaganda is the result of a communist organized virus infection deployment, COVID, <laughs> then we must develop our own COVID response. A capitalist organized virus infection disruption campaign, that would be our subtle way of describing a true news media network or outlet. We need to do everything possible to make sure that the narrative which aligns with reality and with reason is heard by as many people as possible. That's the only thing we can do at this point in an effort to inoculate everyone against the fear-inducing ignorance that so threatens us all. Getting the word out, the right word to be precise, is the major mission which is really kind of like what we do on this show every week as a matter of course. And if you need more proof, be sure to join us again next week when we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be all right. 
because that's what Americans do now. They're always willing to trade away a little of their freedom in exchange for the feeling, the illusion of security. What we have now is a completely neurotic population obsessed with security and safety and crime and drugs and cleanliness and hygiene and germs. There's another thing, germs. It's just one more way of reducing your liberty and reminding you that they can f with you anytime they want. As long as you put up with it. As long as you put up with it. Which means, of course, anytime they want.